Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Giant Taco Salad Inventor. Mr. Giant Taco Salad Inventor. A culinary creation that baffles the human mind. A 12,000 calorie salad. Acaramba. Ground beef. Refried beans, guacamole, cheese, sour cream, and if there's any room left, a few shreds of lettuce. I don't see no lettuce. Some may ask, is your taco salad healthy? Of course it is. It's a salad, isn't it? You can eat that deep fried country bowl. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light conquistador of the calorie. You put the feast in fiesta. Mr. Giant Taco Salad Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, Fort Collins, Colorado. And welcome to Reliving My Youth. The show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Dave Bickler, the former lead singer of the band Survivor. Now, Dave fronted Survivor for their biggest hit, Eye of the Tiger, off the Rocky III soundtrack. Dave talks about how the band came about the song and how it launched him into stardom. Eye of the Tiger was also on the Rocky IV soundtrack, so previous listeners of the show know one of my goals is to get as many artists from the Rocky IV soundtrack on my show so I can cross Dave off my list. But Survivor had three songs on the Rocky IV soundtrack, Eye of the Tiger, which featured Dave's vocals, Burning Heart and Man Against the World, which featured the late, great Jimmy Jamerson, Dave's replacement. Dave talks about Jimmy, their relationship, and they actually worked together in the band years later. While Dave wasn't in Survivor, he contributed to one of the biggest advertising campaigns ever, the very, very successful Budweiser's Real Man of Genius, as you heard in the open. Dave talks about how he got that and just how much fun that project was. Speaking of projects, Dave just released his solo album called Dark Light. It's fabulous. Dave talks about just how much of a labor of love it was and the process going into it. Dave, super nice guy, couldn't be any nicer. I hope you enjoy my interview. <laughs> And helping me relive my youth today is Dave Bickler. Dave, how are you today? I'm good. No, I'm good. Thanks. I'm glad to relive both of our youths today. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, before <laughs> we before we do that, let's talk about the present. Um, the long-awaited solo album, Darklight, finally dropped uh, recently, and uh, I had a chance to listen to it. It's absolutely fantastic. Just, um, just talk about just the process you went through in releasing Thank it you. and like all the hard work you put into it. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a kind of a long journey, but I mean, I, 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 the, I don't know if I, I, the first thing I knew that I had to do, I, I didn't have a band. It was just me. And I wanted to figure out a way to make a record that, that uh, would have all the, you know, great playing on it and, and, and sound like it was a cohesive thing um, without having a band. And, you know, it's, it's great when you're in a band because you, 
you know, if you have ideas and stuff, you go say, okay, the, the drummer starts playing and everybody starts playing and you, you flesh that out and really, really quickly you can, you know, turn into something. I didn't have that luxury at that time. So the first thing I, I needed was a drummer and, and you know, you, you have to have great drum tracks on a rock and roll record or you, or you don't have, you don't have much, you know? So uh, my friend Jeremy Holiday over at Sony, who I'd met, I'd met through, through Jim Peterick, actually. I met him in okay. Chicago. And uh, I, I called him up and asked him. I was thinking about, you know, maybe some play, somebody in New York. And he, um, he, he said, well, let me think about it. I'm, you know, there, there's one guy I heard recently. He's got, a, he's got a drum studio. His name's Ryan Hoyle. And he, you know, he played with Collective Soul. Right. And he also toured with Paul Rogers for, for several years, you know. So I, I, I think, you know, he'd, he'd heard my demo. So he... He pointed me to him, and I, and I, I, you know, looked at Ryan Hoyle's website and heard his playing, and I, I thought he was the guy for me. So, the only problem was he's in L.A., right? Right. <laughs> yeah. New York. So now he does do remote stuff. You know, he does it all the time. People will, you know, send him tracks, and he'll play on them. But I, I, I knew that I needed to go out and inter- interface with him directly. So, um, you know, I, I flew out to California, and we started working on it, and it was just great. He's such a dedicated. You know, not just a musician, but you know his studio and his his, his search for excellence sonically have been a very difficult thing to do, which is record a, a, a you know a drum set. That's about the hardest thing there is to do. You know, there's so many moving parts. You got so many mics open, and you know all this stuff, and the the, the drums themselves have to be in great condition. You know, you you got to have a great player, all of that. So it was just so much fun uh, as a you know uh, as a musician to to work with them. So I went back and forth you know it took quite a long time because i could go out there and we'd do you know a couple of tracks or three tracks and i'd go home and digest that and then schedule him later you know so time went by and uh you know it and then it, you know after, after time i got a little bit lost on it because i wasn't sure how to finish it and i needed to mix it and i had all these tracks and uh so i so i was looking around for somebody and just just by happenstance i happened to talk to uh uh uh, uh, somebody else who turned me on to oh, a guy here that's close to me, a uh, uh, Stephen Dakutas. He said you should you should check uh, um, check him out. And so I went to his website. Thank God for the internet. You know right, I mean? exactly. <laughs> I went to the I went to I went to his website and I heard his mixes and I went, that's what I want my record to sound like. So I I called him up and um, he, he said yes, send me that send me some demos. He heard him and he said you know I mean you know the tracks and he, he said yeah let's 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 get to work. So when down there and you know that that took like a, another year <laughs> because <laughs> you know it was getting in the studio with stevie he's got a lot of demands he's got a lot of people you know that want his time and so i got in there whenever i could you know and we just worked we just started working on it you know and, and i re-sang everything and we played a lot of it and uh you know he played a lot of he played guitars you know because he's a he has the added bonus of being a great guitar player so you know we just kept working on it and and that's that's the result we finally you know got it to, to where we wanted it to be and and mixed it and then i thought about then i contemplated when and how to release it and that's how we got to here right yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. exhausted just telling me about it yeah exactly so i imagine you're gonna go on a nice little vacation right <laughs> well yeah i mean yeah i took vacations in between in between there we had family vacations you know like i said a lot of things going on i have a family right i was you know that i <clears throat> so it wasn't like I could, you know, just woodshed in the studio or, or you know, you know what I mean? It was, right. so it, that's, that's another reason why it took longer than it might have. But I mean, I, I think it was worth it. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a fantastic, uh, 
fantastic record. Now, the, the title of it's Dark Light. Um, how did you come up with the title of it? Well, I I, I thought that uh, there were songs on there that there, there's kind of a lot of reasons Dark Light is, you know, it's, I, I'm sort of a science geek and, uh, you know, the, the, the nature of reality and darkness and, 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 and light, you know, uh, are, are two sides of the, of the coin you know as far as reality goes uh, that there's like and you know fear of the dark is is a very dark song you know uh, whereas you know something like magic is a very up you know poppy you know uh kind of a song so i, I thought there was it just seemed to be a natural thing yeah and um yes and this song like you mentioned fear of the dark it's a, it's really a really powerful song as well as uh, hope you know the, the first track off the album Yeah, I turn to hope, a dream of a better 
Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I thought Hope was just a natural thing to open the record with. And, you know, it, it was a song that I, I wrote. Originally, it, it was, you know, the beginnings of it were, were kind of after 9-11. I actually lived in New York. I was living in the city at the time when that happened. And, uh, you know, it really was just unbelievable, you know, um, the feeling that, that it gave me about it. So I, I thought I, I needed to feel something about Hope. And it's a terrible event, you know. Um, but it, but it, as it turns out, it seems like it's kind of applicable in a universal sort of, you know, thing that I feel, you know, that you, you have to retain your hope. You have to, you have to have, still have hope for the future and still believe in the better angels of our nature in, in spite of how, you know, sometimes we don't live up to it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it is, it is a powerful, powerful song and yeah, that I was, I was actually living in where I'm in Connecticut now, but I'm, I'm originally from Queens. So I was off from work for those couple of days. Oh, really? So yeah. And I, yeah, I, I was, I was home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And, I, and, and staying at my mom's, I was just recently married. So my, my wife is still. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So that was, yeah. Six, 17 <laughs> years you know, earlier, but it was, um, it was powerful because I, I came home and to see my wife because she was still living in New York, we were kind of separated, you know, for the first couple of months of our marriage, you know, the long distance marriage for the first that, couple of months. But yeah, all the bridges. Yeah, maybe. it was. Yeah. But all the bridges were closed. I couldn't get back to Connecticut. It was, it was, it was a rough. Uh, yeah. I was, I was days. struck. I was struck by looking on the streets of New York, which is the, you know, it's, it's a place that it's always busy. There was nobody on the streets. There yeah. was nobody. It was like, looked like a ghost town it was so bizarre right. to see new york like that yeah it was weird the only thing i can compare it to i was i was in boston during a couple of days after the bombing and oh really you you were kind of in another yeah 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 we were there and it was during the manhunt so they locked the city down and that was so eerie because all the streets were empty. Yeah, we were stuck in our hotel. It was, it was, yeah, another crazy, crazy event. Man. Wow! Yeah. But it, yeah, it's amazing well, what life, uh, what life does, you know. Well, that, like I said, that's that, that. There you have it. I mean, the the whole idea of this, this that song, hope is, is about, you know, that those though, you know, I still do believe that right because there's so much. Um, you know, in spite of all the corruption and can, terrible things that some people do, there, there's also a lot of peak compassion and people who do things for other people, you know, uh, everywhere, you know, you, you, you can see it. I see it in my community, you know, and so I, I, I do have hope, you know, I do. Yeah, I mean, it's, you have to because it's, you know, it, it's what what keeps us going. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So are, are you going to, um, like, do some live shows to promote the record? Oh, I certainly hope so. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll work on that. I'm I'm just I'm just you know, kind of getting started here with the release and starting to respond to it. And um, you know, yeah, I I very much want to have a, you know, a showcase. We'll we'll do a showcase someplace. I'll announce that when when I've got it all figured out to, to do that to play some songs live. So we talked the present. Now let's go back a little little ways back. How did you first get involved in music, and who were some of your influences growing up? Um, I don't, I always liked music. I think my parents told me when I was a kid, I was always singing, you know, when I was real little and, um, you know, just 
you know, it was my parents' music at first, and then I had I don't when I was like seven years old, my my buddy Brian, who was down, right down the street from me, his brother had some Elvis Presley records, you know, and so that was like, what kind of music is that? Right. <laughs> that's not like, but that's not like my parents' radio station. <laughs> so, and, and then then of course we moved to Chicago. I, I was living in in Minnesota at the time, you know, I was seven, and then we moved to Chicago, and um, you know, it was like shortly thereafter the Beatles came out and that that was you know that was the that was the lightning bolt I know you've heard this from other right. many other people and the artists right but it's true it's a true story that it was like getting hit by lightning but it really was it was so the music was just you know of course it's the Beatles right you yeah. know just uh, 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 luckily for for the human race those guys uh, managed to find each other you know to make that band and, and the music was exceptional, you know, just riveting. So that 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 was it for me. Then I, that's what I wanted to do. I knew it. My my parents were not were not thrilled about that, but uh, eventually they came around. Yeah. What what made them come around? Just the fact that uh, well, you know, I was so I wanted to do it so much that I was dedicated to it. I worked hard at it, and and then I was lucky enough, you know when i was still a teenager i got, got hooked up in in the jingle scene in chicago singing commercials and on that that was like actually getting paid to to, 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 mm-hmm. to sing as opposed to you know playing in bars where you split 50 bucks you know for for, for the for the night you know stuff like that so then, then they started to think maybe there's something in this for me so yeah so then um how did you like, get involved with the uh, jamestown massacre um, yeah, I, there was a there was a band I was in called the Bremontown Musicians, and we played at the at the Downers Grove Youth Center, which is you know, I lived in Naperville, and Downers Grove was in another town over, and it was a place where you know bands played every weekend, you know, and Friday and Saturday night, and uh, so we 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 played there, and the the guy who managed Jamestown Massacre came up to me after my band played and asked me if I wanted to be in the band, and you know I I didn't know what to say at the time, but eventually I ended up you know saying yes right they were more organized you know they had their own pa <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean right <laughs> like, they had people they had people move equipment yeah you know? yeah so then like how uh, did you come across meeting like jim peter who was like, I, I actually him? i actually met jim peter doing jingles in chicago okay that's how I, I met him and i knew i knew i knew about him you know i was i go i went to you know high schools and watched the ice of march play you know so you know at the in the gym you know those guys you know so i was all of a sudden, I was working with him, and you know, he he approached me and you know asked me if I wanted to be in a band with him. And you know, and the and the and the guys playing in the rhythm section, uh, Dennis Dennis Johnson and Gary Smith, were the guys that played on the jingle sessions. And you know, these guys were really good players. Right. You know, in between stuff, between the you know, when the you know jingle was over, and those those guys would jam, and it was like crazy, man. You know, it just sounded you know outrageous. You know, it was a whole different thing. So I said, yeah. Another again, you know, it was just it feel like felt like a big step up for me, you know. It's, right now, were you all original music? Right? right, yeah, absolutely. Now, were you just um, like the front man? Did you like play any instruments before that? Yeah, I actually did. I played saxophone and keyboards, and I, I did that in the in the early days of Survivor when we were playing clubs. I, I was playing keyboards and you know clavinet and, right. and i had a string synthesizer and i played some saxophone <laughs> believe it or not and played like with haymakers you know this bar up in 
Wheeling, Illinois. I, I, I was actually playing side, but eventually it sort of settled down into more of being a front man, you know, as opposed to you know doing doing all that utility stuff. Right. Were you were you were you like happy? Was you just had to focus on one thing rather than like every night just you know sing, you know, play an instrument, do everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, it started to evolve. The music evolved. We started to find our our place as, as far as what we wanted to do. You know, to, to define that, and so that, that's why it, it kind of changed. You know. Right. Yeah. Now, it, it was it was Jim who formed the band. Yeah, I mean, he well, he was yeah, he was the, the kernel of it because he was an established sort of artist, right. you know. And I, I'd actually sang on his solo album, "Don't Fight the Feeling." I I, I I did some vocals. You'll never hear it though. It's like it's in the back of I think instead that particular song, "Don't Fight It," don't don't fight it. I think it's in there <laughs> in the back of there somewhere, right. but you can't really hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty funny, but um, yeah. Yeah. So how um how did uh like Frank Sullivan come about joining the band? Well, I, I guess you know uh, Rick Wiegander turned it, turned out to be he he was he was a road manager for for Mariah the band that Frankie was in, okay. and uh, he sort of you know connected uh, Frankie and and Jim Peter together you know, and uh, then then those guys brought me in and then you know of course that was it was already Dennis and Gary so that was the that was the band you know right. So uh, how did um like a record contract come about how, how how did you guys get signed yeah we we went in the studio of course and made you know demos and uh, i think somewhere in america and, and uh 2020 
we sent out a, a reel, you know, to shop shop it around, and we didn't hear anything for months. You know, we were like kind of dejected because we didn't think, uh, you know, it was kind of depressing. Right. <laughs> Nobody yeah. was calling us back, yeah. but. But, but then suddenly it, we did get called. We started getting, you know, calls to, and, and, and of course we, we ended up uh, with Scotty Brothers and we did a showcase for those, for, for, for them. And, and then next thing we know, we're out in LA getting ready to record. Yeah. Now the, the first album, the self-titled album, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's like, Survivor's weird. Survivor's kind of like Chicago. Whereas, like, they kind of have, like, two different, like, eras. You know, they have true. the 60s, oh, true, you know, yeah. 70s, where, you know, that music great. And then they have the 80s, where it's more, like, I want to say easy listening. But, you know, it's more, I guess you can say radio-friendly. Where, like, you know, the first album, Survivor, I mean, like, I, I love the song Freelance. It's it's, it's tremendous. You know, nothing Yeah, much, me too. Yeah. Me too. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it's funny, because I, for years, I still do kind of work in the freelance business. So it's like, you know, it, the song appeals to me, you know, <laughs> absolutely. No, I love that. It was, it was, you know, it was, uh, yeah, kind of very, very raw. You know, it's a raw, more rocking uh, thing at that time. You know. Yeah, and then like you know, nothing can shake you know shake me from your love. That's also 
tremendous song. You know, yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, but like now that first album really, I mean, didn't really find any true success, correct? Yeah, no, we, we did it. You know, it didn't it didn't catch on, right? So it's on too. <laughs> and then, of course, Dennis and Gary decided to leave the band, and uh, so we went out to Los Angeles and and uh, Mark Jabay, Frank Frank knew Mark Jabay, so he we brought Mark he brought Mark in, and and then we we actually saw uh, Stefan playing a gig somewhere. We we watched him play, and I said, you know, we should get a guy like that. And he said, well, why don't we go ask him? Yeah. So we did. Yeah. After the show, we went up and said, hey, you want to want to come down and you know play with us tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna be uh rehearsing and so he came and uh that came together and it's you know it sounded amazing so you know there you go that usually it's, it's that's not usually not that easy right yeah. now when when you signed your your record con- contract with scotty brothers it wasn't just for one record correct yeah it's a, it's a typical thing you right, you, okay. you you get a promised one record and then they have options to make more all in their favor. In other words, they can decide not to take those options. Yeah. You, you don't have a guarantee of that. So, but they decided that they would make another record with us. And so we made the premonition album, which I thought was a really, I thought that was a good record too. I thought we, you know, had some cool stuff on that record. Oh yeah. Absolutely. But we, we didn't, we didn't quite make it into the national scene, you know? Right. But, but, yeah. Well, you, you guys were getting there, but right, right after that, you know, premonition, like hearts, a lonely hunter, tremendous song.
We used to do that. We used to open up. I can't remember what we opened up with at that era, but but Hearts of Lonely Hunter was like the the second song. It was like our you know the second song in our set. Right. And I always really liked it. Yeah. Well, then you know you guys obviously made it big with Eye of the Tiger. How um how did that come about? How did like Stallone find you guys? Yeah, but Sylvester Stallone knew Tony Scotty. They were you know in the business together, right? And they went back a ways, and so. Sylvester Stallone was looking for that song for that opening bit in in you know in uh, Rocky Three, and he just said, "I'm looking for a rock band. I want." He wanted to you know reach a new audience. He wanted to make sure we you know sort of get younger people and stuff in a great franchise, you know, of Rocky. And so we played him our premonition premonition album, and he said, "Yeah, well, oh, those guys are that's great." And so he he those guys uh, got some you know rushes of the of the movie to look at and. Uh, came up with Eye of the Tiger. We went into the studio and, you know, cut that song, as well as uh, Ever Since the World Began. We both cut both of those songs, you know, and, and sent them off to, you know, the Scotties, and to he liked it. And that was it.
exactly. <laughs> Off we go. Right. Now, I know it was Jim and Frank who wrote that song. Was that an easy song for them to write? Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah, they, you know, went into the into a room for a couple of days and we came up with Eye of the Tiger. And I'd never heard it. We went to the studio in Chicago at CRC. Um, I'd never heard the song before. We, we all learned it in the studio and cut that demo, you know, without ever like rehearsing it before, <laughs> right. which I think is kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that song like, you know, blew up. I mean, you know, won a Grammy and nominated for Oscar. I mean, everyone in the world, you know, knows that song and sings it today. Um, where What's you... amazing about it, yeah, is it, it, it just can't be like, it can't be, it can never die. It's like right. a, a new generation of kids and stuff and young people, you know, get something about the, the message in it that resonates and, and is amazingly still alive. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a, you know, upbeat, uplifting. I mean, like, I'm sure everyone who works out, it's on their playlist. I mean, it know. is. I, th- I think so too. Yeah. It's, it's a great <laughs> Except motivator. mine. I, I, I could, I could never, uh, yeah. I, I don't mind. I love singing it all the time. I have no right. problem with that, but I could never work out to it. That yeah. Way. Right. <laughs> that wouldn't be right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be kind of funny. Now, uh, do you remember where you were, like where you first heard that song? You mean when I heard the first heard the song? Yeah, like you know, you were out about where where you were when it played on the oh, radio or something. Oh, like when, that. when I yeah. when I first heard it, when I first heard it, like on the radio and yeah. or something. No, I I actually don't remember. That's that's funny, but I guess things would started to, you know, of course it was in going to be in the movie. So yeah. you know, we knew that, and that meant, I mean, the greatest promotional tool of all time. Yeah, a really, really, really popular franchise with with the uh, the Rocky series and Rocky Three. And, um, you know, going to be a big theater release. And, and so I, 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 I can't remember where I actually first heard it on the radio, but I do remember this. I went to the theater and sat down, you know, and watched the beginning of the movie and all these people, you know, it got a big standing O after the opening sequence. (laughs) That's when I figured we were, you know, going to have a good, it was going to be a good thing for us. Yeah, because like at, at that point with the first two Rockies, you know, it wasn't they always showed like you know obviously highlights. You know, the second one showed highlights from the first, and they did that with the third one. But then they went into like, this whole music montage, which was not seen before, and you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's it was awesome. Yeah. So then I'm sure, like you say, you went on those all promotional tours. I'm sure you went on like you know the the late shows, and you know where where were some like the most interesting places like you actually performed. That's oh, you know, we, well, we started. I don't remember late shows and stuff. I, I, I do remember we, you know, we went we went to the People's Choice Awards because we won a People's Choice, right? And uh, and and the whole cast of, of Mash was there. Okay. I thought that was way more cool than anything else I'd done. Oh, you know, right. Loretta Sweat and yeah. you know all the all the people there. Um, and uh, you know, and then we were playing big rooms all of a sudden. You know, we were out on a big tour, so you know it was. We were suddenly playing those big twenty thousand seat arenas. Yeah. Did now you went from playing obviously playing small clubs with the first couple albums. Now did that like your mindset change from playing small clubs to like large arenas at all? Yeah, we, we actually we, we had, you know, like we we, we did a, a promotional tour for, for Premonition. So we went out and did some colleges and we okay. you know, we, we we played some bigger rooms and stuff, but then it was, you know, the the really big arenas. But I, I mean, I, I'd been by that time I was no, you know, kid. You know, I, right. I, I'd been playing and singing 
in bands a long time. So it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too scary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> scary, but not too right. scary. No, you know, it's, it's all, you, I'm always nervous. I still am always before, you know, I go up to, 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 to play and sing. I'm always nervous. You know, I was nervous then too, but you know what I mean? The band, we all, you know, we were a, a pretty well oiled machine by that time. So, you know, you get up and it's just, it's a bigger place and it's more fun. <laughs> people screaming. Woo. Yeah. Great. Now in front of, you know, those 20,000 people, I'm sure that's when you had your beret on, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. Now what was the story behind that? I don't know. Just uh, <laughs> an idea that I had to try to look cooler than I felt. Yeah. <laughs> You, you, you don't you keep it like in, you know closed uh quarters now right you don't bust it out anytime you know i was thinking about someday because i still have it right. i still do <laughs> yeah <laughs> so one one day i will all right cool that, yeah, that'd be fun <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now like you know, obviously when the song came out of this tiger you made a video for it uh it was a pretty cool video i mean guys walking down the street uh did you enjoy making videos well, it was it was all a new world with with that at that time that right. you know MTV came out. So uh, you know, you, then you suddenly had to make a video, and so yeah, I mean, I I, I you know, I'm no actor, right? Yeah. So yeah. it was just uh, walking around. <laughs> hopefully the hopefully the guy you know cutting it together will make it look cool. But uh, yet yeah, you know, it turned out pretty well. It's been it's been looked at like 200 million times or something. So yeah, you know, I wish I you know. <laughs> if I could have imagined that anyone would watch that video that many, you know, that many people would see that at that time, right. <laughs> I would have been a lot more nervous about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now, was that was that the band's first video that they made? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because like I said, videos it was not common then. It was the new thing. Yeah. Right. It was a new new thing to have videos, and then it you know became. Yeah, and then you guys also had, you know, a, a, a pretty, you know, decent hit also on that album with American Heartbeat.
Yeah, I American Heartbeat. I, I was I was in conflict about that because uh, the it was proposed to me whether we would release American Heartbeat as our next single or Feels Like Love as our next single, and I kind of thought that Feels Like Love was a more logical single to release, but the record company thought that uh, American Heartbeat. Um, so that's how that happened.
now you can just release, I guess, the order of singles however you want. That's like, it's also one of the big differences now and between 30 years ago, right? Yeah, well, the th- thing about it was is that um, that single required, you know, the muscle of the record company to go out and promote that. They would pick that and it had to go out and live or die. You know, uh, uh, lots of, you know, really good bands would have that first single. Maybe if it wasn't right or they didn't do it right or they mm-hmm. didn't, you know, release it in the right way or whatever, it, would, it wouldn't get attention and then it would disappear. And then they would never release another another record from that album. No one would ever hear from it again. You know, that's, that's the way it was. Right, right, yeah. So then the follow-up for um, you guys are caught in the game, and that was... At that point, that was your last album with the, with the, with the band. Um, what yeah. happened with yeah? You had some health issues, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, my uh, well, out, while we were out, uh, you know, touring uh, the the Tiger album, I I got polyps on my vocal cords, you know, and I I didn't know what the hell that was. I had never heard of a polyp, but right. <laughs> vocal cords. So uh, you know, I went to a doctor, and he said, "Yeah, you've got polyps, and it, and it requires surgery because you know if you if there's no nodules, which many people get nodules, uh, you know, singers get nodules, because you know you're working those muscles like nobody else does, right? If you, if you're a singer, and I don't care if you're an opera singer or uh, you know a classical, whatever kind of singer you are, since you're you're pushing that kind of the limits of that." They're, they're, that it can cause problems like any other, sort of like any other athlete, you know, because that's kind of what it is. Um, so uh, yeah, I had to require surgery, and he told me that I might never be able to sing, again. 20% chance I would never sing again. And uh, so when I was put under <laughs> that thought in my mind, I was oh, great. But yeah, you know, it's like, but then it was in the middle of the tour. I had, I had to take off to get that operation, and then two weeks later, I was back on the road. Yeah, and so it was kind of it was kind of a crazy time. It was not, it it, it was very tough. Right now, um, how did you like first like discover that you had that? Just because I was getting hoarse. You know, I'd okay. never been hoarse before. Right. Ever. Never got hoarse. Suddenly, I was getting hoarse. You know, after the show, I, you know, I was you know, my voice was cracking a little a little bit. You know, in, in retrospect, though, <laughs> you know, it wasn't. But but it was a warning sign. So you know. And it had to be addressed. Right. Now, after, you know, you had the surgery and you had your, I guess, brief recovery time, like who pressure, was there any pressure from the band or the record company to come back? Or Well, of course, no, there was gigantic pressure right. <clears throat> because the band was in the middle of this big tour to, <clears throat> again, to promote that record. You know, you got to ride it yeah. all the way to the barn. You know, you got to. And, and I understood that. I mean, I had to do it. Right. Because but I mean, it, but it was tough. And it was, you know, it was bad blood between the band. You know, and, and they thought that you know, you know, I didn't, you know, wasn't diligent enough or whatever. But so it was. It was not. Uh, it was not fun after that. Right. Yeah. Because now, I mean, if someone had that surgery, they'd be out for like probably at least half a year. Uh, yes, probably six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause, yeah. Cause, <laughs> right. Yeah, because I think Adele, Adele had that, right? She did. Yeah. A, who I worship, by right. the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, she took time off, and you know, I mean, people understand. I guess the different times, different eras. Huh? Yeah, it's a different. It was a different time. Yeah, and they they know a lot more about it too, as far as you know, the um, how they address those medical issues with singers. They it's it's a lot better nowadays. Right. 
No. There's laser surgery, and you know, yeah. you you know, you you it, it's there it was the knife, you know, literally the knife, and you know, it was a pretty scary operation back in those days, 1982. Yeah, I can imagine. But I mean, you pull through, and you uh... now after that, did you like kind of change your whole like warm up routine and the way you performed? Well, I quit smoking. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was probably a good idea. Right. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, they put me on voice rest. No, I was supposed to. I could never talk. I, I had to walk around with a with a notebook. And you know, you can imagine, I'm uh, you're out. You know, we're with our, our with Ario Speedwagon, and you know, there's all these people right backstage, and everybody wants to talk to you. Yeah. You know, and you can't talk. I couldn't talk. <laughs> I had to write stuff down. And if you've never tried to think about how wonderful being able to speak the English language or somebody, how quickly you can communicate with it. Try writing it down sometime when you, when you can't respond <laughs> by speaking and you have to write it down. Right. I guess because maybe it's, there's an analog to that now, which is, you know, tweeting or texting. Yeah, or te- exactly. Right. It won't be so, or you can do all your little emojis. And, and pe- <laughs> people are a lot better at that now, but at the time, me, not, not so good, you know? So they'd ask me a complex question and they didn't know how to answer that. And plus, you know, how depressing, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I think now if you know if people have to write, I think they struggle because they're so used to like you know email and, and texting. It like I think it hurts their hands writing now. <laughs> no, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you know? the, the world. no, it's 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 useful. It's it's a useful medium. It's great, but you can't communicate quickly. At least I can. Right. Anyway, yeah, I, my son can. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> my son can. Yeah. Yeah, my my daughter when she was you know she's eight now when she was like two she she knew how to swipe on the phone unlock it do everything it's it's amazing how kids pick <laughs> right. it up you know? there you there you go yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah so then um the the first exit of of the, you from the band was that was that like mutual was that more you or is that more the band side no the band side yeah they they you know that they, they you know and and it was it was it was about more so that they were disappointed with me and and i was just burned out man right i mean you know i was just burned out from all that so you know we parted ways right now that was that was a big risk at that point for them to do that extremely yeah it was an extremely big risk yeah yeah and they, they were they were lucky enough to find you know jimmy jameson you know a guy who you know was a you know again an iconic singer yeah now yeah now that era you know started with with vital signs now did uh did frankie and jim kind of write like songs specifically for him or did they have those songs in mind for you no i i think i think they did i think they did write for him which you know they always were i think good at that actually i mean they, they wrote for me and then when jimmy came came back into the band that they they wrote songs for him you know right now, when you it was album, great success, yeah, yeah, yeah that, album, that album took off, and it was it was great. You know, different different sounding uh, band, really. Uh, now, when you listened to that, what was like your reaction? Well, at the time, I was pissed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it, it's it's great. You know, I mean, it, it's you know, it's 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 uh, amazing work. Yeah, I mean, you know, they had. Obviously, the Burning Heart from you know, the Rocky IV soundtrack, and you know they brought back Eye of the Tiger. You know the beginning of that movie as well. Um, was there ever? Do you know of? Was there any talk of them replacing your vocals with Jimmy's for Eye of the Tiger? Well, you you can't replace that. 
Um, but you know, like for other stuff, you know, and, and commercials and stuff, it, it, it that did happen, but right. I mean, you, you can't really change out of the tiger. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I'm glad they, I'm glad they didn't attempt to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's impossible. Yeah. Now then, um, were, were you approached by, by the band when you first came back or was that like kind of you reaching out to them when you came back in the mid nineties? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not sure. Right. It was, you know, crazy. Yeah. Now, um, were you, uh, was it hard for you or not? I wouldn't say hard, but a challenge for you to sing like Jimmy songs from that era? <laughs> No, I like Jimmy's songs. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it. I, I liked what he did. So I, I you know, I, I mean, I tried to channel that, you know, as best I could, not be ever being able to sing exactly like Jimmy. That's impossible. But, you know, just to, to, to I, I think I'm enough of an artist to be able to catch what, you know, the subtleties of what he was doing and able, you know, to sing it, give it some, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Yeah. Um, Credence, maybe right. perhaps, or you know. Anyway, anyway, I always I tried to I, I always was sensitive to what how he sang that the nuances. You know, that's what I'm supposed to do as a singer. So I I, would, I, I enjoyed singing Jimmy's songs. I really did. Right now, that was when Jimmy kind of branched out and formed his own Survivor, right? Yeah, and that's a long story, and I don't want to go too far into that because okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like yeah. Yeah, all that happened. Yeah. yeah. Band, well, the band, the band, you know, they they broke up in 1987, I think, somewhere, you know, and that Too Hot to Sleep album, which I thought was a great right. record, by the way. Yeah, it was a really good, <laughs> really good record. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's it's difficult to like, you know, kind of achieve a success like from Vital Signs and also from Eye of the Tiger. You know, it's it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's pretty amazing and unique that they. Uh, band survived uh, a change of singers and uh, you know did really really well when when the band decided to come back and reform did um did jim peterick did, did he take part of that i mean when when i came back to the band or or like the, the band uh reform what was it like in the early 90s correct after their like hiatus so yeah no, no, well 1993 that's 90, you okay. know there was that the, Jimmy was out. He was Jimmy was out playing Survivor because there were there was no Survivor, so he was out being Survivor. Right now, like did like Jim and Frank when did they reform their version of Survivor to kind of compete with Jimmy's Survivor? Yeah, they they brought they brought me back to compete. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Now, how long were like both Survivors out there? Well, I, I was the 1993 to 1999 or 2000, somewhere around there. So, you know, like six years, you know, we, we made a bunch of recordings and, you know, I, I don't want to go into all of that right. in, because it's, you know, it's, it's, you know. No, I, I totally understand that. But like during that time, you guys recorded one of my favorite Survivor songs, uh, Fire Makes Steel.
Yeah. yeah. Actually, I like that too a lot. Yeah, it's great. Now, what happened with that? Why wasn't like that released? Well, because there were two survivors right. that that kind of put a kibosh on, you know, sort of solidifying anybody as survivor. So it it, it was intended to be a movie, uh, part of a movie, but um, it, it didn't work out. So it was just one of those things where we recorded like all that music in there that that sort of it, it, it leaked out eventually yeah. <laughs> into the public, but it was never never formally released. You know, uh, yeah. Sleepless Nights, and you know we did we did a, a different version of Rebel Girl, which I really actually really liked. You know, we went up to Rail Recorders and and uh, Lake Geneva and recorded this really cool version of that, which I don't know if you ever heard it before, but it was cool. No, I haven't heard that one. I got to check it out. So, totally. Now then. Um, like during this time, did, you, did your paths with Jim, with Jimmy ever cross? Did you meet him before rejoining the band? No, I I met Jimmy actually when we went to I went to Chicago. Jim Peter invited me to come to Chicago to do a soundstage. Okay, it was a P, a PBS thing where they were going to have all these different artists come in and me and you know I was going to not not Survivor but you know sing my song and Jimmy was there. <laughs> so we were all sitting at the hotel by the Hard Rock. Uh, or was it the Hard Rock? Anyway, I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. anyway, so I'm walking down the hallway, and there's this guy comes out of his room, and it's Jim Jameson. He goes, "Dave Bickler." <laughs> That's the first time we met. Right. And that was like that was like in 2008 or something like that. Yeah. So then, when they decided to have both of you perform, you know, in the, in the band. That was after, I guess, your second departure. Um, You're right. Yeah. Now, <laughs> w- w- were you, were you a little hesitant at, at, at the first? Well, uh, well, that wasn't being part survivor, right? That was like with Jim Peterick and it was no, the, right. You know, I, yeah. The, I mean, all like, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, like, I, back I, in like 2013 when they asked you to come back. Yeah. 2013. I, I actually wasn't hesitant because by that time Jim and I, had, uh, Jim, Jimmy Jameson and I had become right. friends, and I thought it would be a f- really great idea to have us both sing. What could be better than that? Survivor with both singers, right? <laughs> a great idea. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I kind of jumped at that chance. Yeah. Now, like, like during those like performances, did you sing a little bit of his songs and vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we traded we traded off and we joined together and you know it was really it was really fun. Right. Yeah. What was the like, the reaction to those? Those probably had to be great. It was great. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we the band was sounded great. And I went uh, yeah I went to Chicago, you know, for rehearsal right before before we started going out to do two shows and uh, you know it sounded just amazing. It really did. You know, the band was great. You know, it it, it it was very clear to me that you know it was it was pretty special. So, yeah. Do you remember where you were when you first heard about Jimmy's passing? Yes, I do. I was at the U.S. Open here in, in New York, okay. um, uh, tennis, and uh, me and my wife and my son were there because we'd go every year, and uh, my wife. Look, look at her phone. She said, "Oh no, what's this mean?" She says, "I said something about I hope this isn't true about Jimmy." And we went, "Oh no, what does that mean?" Yeah. And then the next thing, of course, it's like Jimmy, you know, passed away, and it's like I can't. We we just left. We we got up and and you know immediately left and went home. You know, and it was just hard. You know, I mean, it's hard to to absorb. 
Right. And Jimmy was just this great guy, and he's also like the, one of the funniest people I've ever known. Okay. You know, he was he was just, and that's why it was so much fun to go out on the road with him because it was, uh, you know, it was just great. Yeah. He had a, he could have had a second calling as a comedian. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now it's and like you guys always got along as soon as you like met, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, it's weird because, like, I think, like, like I said, I was pissed at him at first. I didn't well, of know course. Him. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's like you look at like even like Van Halen. I mean, when you have Sammy Hagar and you know um, what's in Dave Lee Roth, I think they tried doing something together, and that just really didn't work out. Yeah, I, I don't know, and I'm not sure about that. I don't, I don't know what that would be. I, I mean, I've, I've seen. I, I I never actually saw David Lee Roth perform with with Van Halen. I, I did see uh, Sammy Hagar perform with, and, yeah. and then I, I did we did shows. Survivor did shows with Sammy Hagar when okay. he was you know after we left you know Van Halen and was up performing you know as a solo artist you know right. we, we did a couple of different shows together. Yeah, so then he's great. Yeah, so <laughs> the, the band I guess carried on without Jimmy. Now was there? Uh, kind of, I know they brought in. Was his name Cameron? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did that yeah. work out with the two of you for a little bit, or is that when you for for first, but for just a very little bit? It was like you know, but you know, obviously it wasn't that wasn't going to work out, you know. Right. And uh, that's all I want to say about that. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's it's like you know, yeah, it was it was it was very weird. Right. No, I, I appreciate you taking the high road. That that's great. I mean, it's it's also like you're kind of like you know. I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of like the Billy Martin of the rock industry, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. I'll take it. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, 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 I have no, uh, I have no problem with that. Um, I, I'm on my own now right. and happy to do that. I, 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 you know, I, I I'm, I'm really, um, having a good time, you know, being a, being a solo artist. And, uh, I think, uh, well, I think, uh, the the music I've I've made the, the the record I made is a good one. Yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward to hearing, and I'm sure all your fans are as well. But I got a couple more questions, and it's um <laughs> sure about a great great project you did. It's probably one of the best advertising campaigns ever with the you know Bud Light Real Man or Genius Real Man of Genius. Uh, how did that come about? Well, I you know I. Could, as as I've said before, I was right. you know doing jingles in Chicago for years, and and so after I was out of Survivor, I was I was always doing commercials and stuff, and um, I, I I was singing with a with a, uh, a guy, a friend of mine named Sandy Toronto, and he he decided to form his own production company, and so uh, he called me up and said, hey, we got this you know this uh, thing for 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 uh, for Bud Light, and uh, I want you to come in and you know. Think they're looking for an '80s rock singer. <laughs> he said, "Oh, I said, well, that would be me." All right. So I went in and we we did the first like it was eight eight you know different spots, which is kind of unusual for you know like a demo. Right. But they were hilarious. And Pete Stacker, the voiceover guy, was on. Everybody was on the floor because it was so <laughs> funny. And we you know sort of formed that whole thing there in that first session. And uh, you know then I I went home and the next thing I know you know we're back in the studio with more and more. And then, you know, it turned into a PR thing where, you know, they had us out on the road going to NFL games and major league base NBA game. <laughs> in a genius spots for everybody on the planet. It was, it was kind of amazing. You know, it was an amazing thing that just, again, it just totally took off. 
Yeah, now when you went into like voice, you know, some of them, like, I'm sure you couldn't do those in one take because some of those are just so out there. Well, the, the thing was, is that it was kind of like a little, it was kind of like a little sitcom. Every one of those commercials was, right. there, there was, there was some script, but uh, unlike most commercials, they deviated from that script immediately. Like, you know, they would, and you know, usually you never get away with that. You, you know, the, when it comes down from on high from the, from the sponsor and then the, the guys at the, at the ad agency, there's a script and that's what you stick to. But in the case of Real Men of Genius, all bets were off. <laughs> it was just like, you know, it was, it was being, you know, they, it was open to, uh, to creativity. So we would just uh, try stuff and, and then they'd do a bunch of different versions of it and they would, you know, pick the ones that they thought they, they liked. And, you know, it was kind of like a, like a little sitcom, every one of those little vignettes, you know? Yeah. Well, which one was your favorite? I kind of like giant Mr. Giant Pocket Knife Inventor. Me, me and Pete, every time we did that, we could we, we would start laughing and have a hard time getting through because we did it live, you know, a hundred times. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Giant Pocket Knife Inventor. Mr. Giant Pocket Knife Inventor. Because of you, we'll never be lost in the middle of a dense forest without a little plastic toothpick again. Won't get lost again. What's that bulge in my pocket? It's my knife. And my tweezers. And my scissors. And my spoon. And my bottle opener. And my fish scaler. Take it to the mess. And my leather awl. And my corkscrew. And my nail file. And my paring knife. And my hasp. What's a hasp? So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, Mr. Giant Pocket Knife Inventor, because you make our pockets bulge humongously with pride. Mr. Giant Pocket Knife Inventor. Bud Light Beer at Isaac Bruce, St. Louis, Missouri. We always, we always, <laughs> it was, it was always uh, difficult to get through. Yeah. <laughs> but there, 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 we did like, you know, a couple hundred of those things. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure like driving somewhere, I'm sure you heard a couple of those in the car, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was amazing, man. Yeah. Now, did you get a bigger kick out of hearing those or one of your, you know, songs? <laughs> well, it's hard to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean it's like I mean, both of children, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I enjoyed both both things. It was it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Naturally, I, I go back to music. I mean, that's that's my, you know, I my, I mean, I, I I love nothing more than, you know. Really loud guitars and drums and bass and you know all that. That's you know that's where I come from. And a special thanks to Dave for joining me today. Check out his website davebickler.com. He's on Twitter at Dave Bickler. If you want to follow me on Twitter? I'm at the first Noel One Nine. You can check out Reliving My Youth on Facebook and like the page go to itunes you can check out all the past episodes we've had while you're there please rate and review the show don't have itunes not a problem the show's on soundcloud it's on podbean a new episode of reliving my youth comes out every wednesday and we're going to end the show with another track off of dave's new album dark light it's called fear the dark see you next time Standing here in the dark Tears my breath
just can't.